Hello, this is Matt, bringing you a special midweek mini-episode of the podcast. I don't always hit the stop button right away when we're done with our regular recordings, because I've learned that occasionally I get some nice little gold nuggets afterwards when we're just having a regular conversation, and maybe we just have some more to say. And uh, in this case, uh, Karen and I uh, continued having a conversation after recording one day, and we were, uh, this was as we were getting ready to go into the book of Nehemiah. We were, oh, actually, I think we had just finished up the book of Esther. And I was getting ready to uh, do a sermon on the book of Nehemiah, which actually I put up as a special episode a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so uh, in this case, Karen and I got talking, and we had some little personal musings and interpretations of things. And I just thought it was just a, a good conversation. And uh, it's not enough for a whole episode, so it's just a little uh, little extra something-something for middle of the week. Oh, I would say some, uh, some application of the book, and some personal musings, and uh, I don't know, just some, just some general good stuff that I think that you might enjoy. And it's presented with uh, very little editing. It's just a candid conversation that we had uh, between the two of us. And so um, with that, I will give you this, what I call the afterword of the book of Nehemiah. Yeah, so next week I am preaching Nehemiah, and that's going to be interesting because my, oh, the temptation is there so badly to talk about people getting in the way of the progress of even just the physical things of the church, but I don't but I don't want to do that. So I'm trying to formulate in my mind. I've been taking notes on the chapter all week, you know, because that's what I do anyway. But I'll probably be really working on putting notes down for a sermon today. But about building up the walls, building up our own walls in our own in our hearts after largely after I think we kind of had an exile through COVID. And I think I think the church has suffered a lot from that. And we're yes. seeing a lot of opposition to us being able to rebuild what we had. And that's really the story of Nehemiah, at least the first half of the book. So Opposition in the form of what? Um, well, you know, I mean, there's always the world that's trying to keep you from, from, from turning to Christ. There's even sometimes there's, uh, you know, there's even people within the church sometimes that interestingly sort of have a way of not not being having a promoting attitude i guess um and so not my not so much the physical aspect of the church but more just the spiritual aspect of the church you know people don't seem to come to things as much anymore um showing up on time for anything is a uh, it's like a huge burden um getting involved with anything and, you know, the story of Nehemiah is Nehemiah sees a need and he wants to go correct it. And the people jump on board and actually get things rebuilt and get things going. And if people would only jump on board, there would be right. more betterer. <laughs> so, I so agree. To... I think that COVID went a long ways, and this is universal to the church across mm -hmm. all denominations and everything. I have yet to see one that's different. 
but I think in large part, there were a number of people who exited the church and haven't come back. Mm-hmm. And then there's another group of people who have sought out the church. Yeah. And yeah, I think it was... part of my thing is, is the church functioning enough to be welcoming to the people who have become awakened to their spiritual need through the process of COVID? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because there is a group out there like that. Yeah. I think it was a part of the beginning. Well, maybe not the beginnings, but it was a big part of the shaking. Yes. I think we're still coming up on the shaking. But But I think it was a beginning because we saw some people, you know, they maybe weren't very dedicated to begin with. And they got shook right out. Yeah. And Anything I think even maybe slightly still, uncomfortable, I'm gone. Yeah. And then even still, there's a little bit of that. And I know Pastor Ricky, he kind of he kind of worries about trying to maintain maintain people and making sure they keep coming. But you know, Shannon made a point at one point too. It's like maybe those people need to go, and other people, you know, maybe we should be focusing on bringing other people in and people that leave. Maybe you let them leave. I don't know. Of course, from a pastor's perspective, I suppose that's well, a hard them. position. What does that mean? Does that mean that you don't try? I mean, you certainly it, keep providing services and you try to be engaged. Yeah, but it just depends on how much energy you put into trying to keep them coming. Yeah. You know, not not that you quit, but where do you fo- where do you really focus? You know, are you really going to focus on people who are determined to leave, or are you going to focus on the potential of getting? People. Yeah, and and I and I also think you got to leave room for the Holy Spirit to work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let me see. I brought up I taught yesterday. Okay, I've got so many things stuffed in the pages of my Bible. It's notes from when I've taught. When I'm done, I just stuff my notes in my Bible <laughs> somewhere, and it's starting to collect. Okay, so it's in Second Timothy two, and it starts in verse twenty three. So. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. Hang on, I'm going to switch to New King James. Avoid foolish and ignorant disputes knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility correcting those who are in opposition. If God, perhaps, will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. So it's basically talking about, like, how do you reach out to people who stand in opposition to what you're doing? Mm -hmm. Gently and with patience. And understanding that in their current state, they have been taken captive by the devil to do his will. Now, that's Mm -hmm. a pretty graphic way to talk about division within the body of Christ. But if you look back over the last couple of years, can't you see the devil at work? Absolutely. So, and it worked. The people, I do think it was the beginning stages of the shaking. And the lowest hanging fruit, the ones that were barely, barely attached... So now, does attachment to one congregation equal attachment to the body of Christ? No. No. You know, no. and we have to, you know, each person has to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. I don't have to work out your salvation with fear and trembling or Tracy's or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Anyway, I just, I use that because it was talking about the state of the dead and we've got a couple of really, really opinionated people in the, in the class. Well, then the other people are wrong. It's like, okay, 
how are you going to teach them? Right. Well, I'm just going to tell them. And I was like, okay, let's teach them according to biblical, um, you know, policies. And let's take a look at what those are. And boy, yeah. did that shut everybody up. <laughs> anyway, I have to read you this meme. When I say I want a biblical wife, what people think I mean, I want a wife who is passive and subservient. What I really mean, I want a wife who is totally willing to drive a tent spike into a tyrant's head should the opportunity arise. <laughs> so somebody comes along and, and you know laughs at it, and then their response is, if you can't handle me at Judges 4 and 5, you don't deserve me at Proverbs 31. <laughs> that's, that's funny. funny. That's great. I love it. Oh man, that's funny. <laughs> what was that? What was that? Did you say it was from First Timothy? It's Second Timothy chapter two, and then I read verses twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five, and twenty-six. Well, look at that. Twenty-three through twenty-six. I thought it was a good recall of who we're trying to reach and what the problem is. The problem mm -hmm. is they've been taken captive by the devil yeah. to do his will. And mm -hmm. they are trapped because of maybe just their own thinking, but they're still trapped. And you yeah. don't come in, you don't come in like a wrecking ball and tear that down because you're right and they're wrong. Right. That is not the way to do it. And so whatever you do, do it with love, right? That's all. Mm -hmm. Well, and as you were reading that, I'm thinking, and at the same time, we don't allow those people to influence our thinking as we're trying to build up something. Right. Very much so. We hope that we can get them to come along with us, but we're not mm -hmm. going to, don't let them drag us out. Because that's, because, yes. you know, that's that whole Nehemiah versus Sanballat. I think that's how you say his name, Sanballat. Sanballat, yeah. That yeah. You know, he's constantly, oh, what are you doing? You shouldn't be doing that. Why are you, you know, constantly trying to stop things and, and drag things down? And so it's like, let's start identifying the Sanbalats in our life. And sometimes are we the Sanbalat? Are we our own Sanbalat? You know, or is it sometimes, yes. yeah. And sometimes Sanbalat is just the devil, you know, I see. But, but like God, he, the devil usually works through people. So Correct. do you remember, do you remember forever ago, I think I sent you and Shannon a dream that this pastor is actually out here in Kentucky had had. It's ringing a bell. It was a long time ago. Anyway, it turns out that pastor lives less than two hours from where I now live. So that's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> I was in Colorado when I started listening to his dreams. Anyway, his, his most recent dream, he's continued to have those dreams. You Sorry, I'm like randomly clicking things here. Um, <laughs> he's continued to have those dreams over several years now. And um, his most recent one ends with the line, work with both a tool and a weapon in your hand. Mm. And it reminded yeah. me of the Israelites when they went back to rebuild. Yeah. And it's like, you know, the, the, neighboring, the neighboring countries don't want them to rebuild. They don't want an powerful israel they don't want god's people up and roaring right they don't want the line of judah on their doorstep that's uncomfortable and so there's this these attempts at sabotage 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 and the men's the men of israel's response is no we're going to keep working we're going to be swinging a hammer with one hand and every man's going to have a sword belted on mm -hmm. so i just i really appreciated that so basically the the pastor's dream is like you know we're coming into a period of intense work in the world 
after the shaking. You know, the shaking is starting to ramp up. Yeah. What, the way Hebrews describes it is everything under heaven that can be shaken will be shaken, right? Yeah. And so then we will, so we had a dream maybe a year and a half ago where instead of a shaking, it was, um, it was like storming. It's like massive storms, massive storms, massive storms. So bad that they washed away all the things that people were used to counting on. And in the aftermath of that was this weird, thick mud. And the people of Christ were left slogging around in this weird, thick mud. And then God said to them, okay, get up and work. And they said, in this? And he said, yes, work in the mud, right? Yeah. So basically, if I follow the general theme of this man's dreams over the last few years, you know, everything has become corrupt. And the shaking is going to reveal that corruption so that people can actually choose because I, this is my own personal interpretation of it. I believe that, that in this point of, in history, there is so much corruption that we don't even know how to choose. Mm -hmm. We don't even know. And freedom of will is important for God's work. So right. in order for, pe for God's people to be able to choose correctly and everyone has to choose or God or Jesus can't come back. Right. Yeah. Um, in order for that to happen, sort of like the scales have to be pulled from our eyes, right? The curtains have to be with, have to be opened. Like the shaking has to occur in which everything that has been created by man and corrupted by the devil is pulled apart and shaken to its very foundation. And the only thing left, the only things left standing are the unshakable things of God. And mm -hmm. in that atmosphere, then, the call will be get to work. So shaking, final outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and then the time of trouble. That's kind of the way I'm seeing it. But mm -hmm. yeah, his last dream, which he just, oh gosh, was just a couple of weeks ago, that was the final line. So in, in the dreams, there's this man who he has come to understand represents Christ in the dreams. So he'll see like a symbolic representation of something happening, and then this man will step forward and say a few words at the end of the dream. And in this case, that was how the man's words ended. It was like, you know, do this, do this, do this, and work with both a tool and a weapon in your hand. Like they're coming, they're going to come for you. They're going to mm -hmm. come for you. And you don't stop working, but you also be prepared to defend yourself. And I yeah. was like, ooh, yeah, mm -mm, we're coming up on it, guys. Yeah, no, I think so. Yep, for sure. And it's steel. That's all. <laughs> no, it's 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 good, and that uh, yeah, that might some of that'll work into my sermon, I think, because we are definitely in a place where we we got to have our guard up, but we have to keep. We can't. It's not a time for complacency. Yeah, and huh? if you and you and and I I believe that the call is to work, regardless of the fact that society is distracted and selfish and self-absorbed and. Mm -hmm. You know, Christian priest from goods and has need of nothing, right? Work yep. in spite of the fact that your audience is not receptive. Yeah. Just do yeah. the work anyway. Mm -hmm. And let God worry about preparing the soil, right? Like he, they keep saying, you drop the seed, you plant the seed, you plant the seed. And to me, that's part of it. It's like you let God prepare the soil, you let God, you let God guide the people to you that need to hear it. And understand that your local body of Christ will ebb and flux and ebb, right? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. That's kind of 
two cents. Yeah. No, it's good. Same thing happened to this local congregation. The ones who were left are on fire. Yeah. But a surprising number are are gone. And and if you ask them the reasons they left, well, I didn't agree with your mask policy. I didn't agree with this. I didn't agree with, you know. Yeah. I think There's you guys are in a different place there. Um, and I think that's, I think that is um, time and place, sure. But also I think it's a natural phase that a church goes through when it's been around about as long as this church has been around. It's like you reach a point where are you going to slide into 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 traditional church complacency or are you going to remain on fire with your first love, right? Yeah. All right, well, I'm going to go get myself some breakfast. That sounds like a fabulous idea. Nope, I, I enjoy it. We'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye.